Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Welcome back to More Than Medicine. I'm Hannah Miller, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson. And we have, as a follow-up to last week, we have Jamie McPhee uh, back with us. And last week, if you missed it, make sure you go to our podcast in the iTunes Store, Google Play, Spotify, all of the places, and find it under More Than Medicine or Dr. Robert Jackson to hear the Jimmy's story of how the Lord saved him during uh, 45 years in prison. And I I won't give a whole lot more than that, Dad. I'll let you recap just a little bit. But the whole, the whole um, podcast from last week is about that. And then we're going to continue talking about what God's doing in Jimmy's life now that he's on the outside. What a powerful testimony, Jimmy, that we heard in last week's uh, broadcast. And I'm thankful that you were willing to share that with us. Now, let, just for the for the listeners out there that weren't with us last week, tell us again. Now, you were in prison for how many years? 45 years, sir. 45 years, all in South Carolina. Yes, sir. Now, what exactly put you in the prison system? I committed murder at the age of 20 uh, and was stand, sentenced to death for the crime, actually and then resentenced to life imprisonment, and uh, which I was told for many years I would not ever be released, though I had a parole date. Uh-huh. How many times did you go up for parole? 18 times over a 35-year span. My goodness, my goodness. And, and, and tell them again, what, what happened in your life briefly that brought you to faith in Christ? And at the age of 40, after my violence within the prison, uh, not learning anything, not being repentant for anything that I'd done in my life, I was locked away in solitary confinement until I last reached a place where I, uh, it's all saying that, you know, sometimes you have to start from the bottom to build up. Well, yes, God will give, build from the rock bottom because uh-huh. he did it in my life. And I, I just spiraled and spiraled down until rock bottom is where I, where I landed until I had to look up and God to reach down and pull me up. And that was in Supermax? That was in Supermaximum Security, they call it. Supermax yes, Solitary Confinement? Yes, sir. Now, you were in solitary for how long before you became a Christian? Actually, about three years at that time, mm-hmm. but I had been in solitary confinement many years prior. I actually served 16 years total in solitary confinement. Jimmy, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Now, after you became a believer, how much more time did you serve in solitary? Five more years after I, was, after I gave my life to God, and I would spend 25 more years actually in prison. Total. Oh, my goodness. This story just it hurts my heart every time I hear it. <laughs> well, now, um, you listen to my radio broadcast. I think it was serendipitous. Uh, <laughs> yes. Tell, tell, them, tell them that story. <laughs> well, I, you told me a lot about the podcast, and I hadn't had a chance to listen to it, and I was curious about it. And I woke up uh, Monday morning, and I had my radio FM set on uh, on you know, a, a, a local station, but I didn't know what the station was exactly that uh, your show came on. And the first voice I heard was the announcer introducing you. Uh-huh. And then I listened to the story of Joseph as you uh, talked about his life. And then at the end, 
here comes your introduction to me for the program. <laughs> I remember saying, go, God, go, because only, only you can do this <laughs> and lay this off right here in my lab, and I didn't even know where to go. <laughs> that was a God thing. Yes, sir. Well, our audience knows that we've been through a series of lessons on Joseph the Dreamer and God the Sovereign. And uh, you heard that broadcast, so I'm going to ask you this question. What comparison, Jimmy, do you make with your life story and that of Joseph, who also spent time in prison, and, and any insights that you might have on God's sovereignty. You know, I love the, the story of Joseph. Uh, I love how he continued to persevere through very tough times. But we know, of course, it's not what we do in perseverance. It's what God's hand in our life that's guiding us through it. That's right. So what, I call it the hidden hand. <laughs> there you go. But you know, throughout the Bible... Uh, we think of Psalms, for instance, and wait. We hear the word wait. Yeah. Wait on me. Or uh, I waited patiently for the Lord. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 40. And the idea of waiting, we oftentimes don't give maybe enough thought to. Because, one, we're thinking that we're stopped and there's nothing that we can be doing except waiting, which is not a bad idea at times. Mm -hmm. But what I adopted over my many years in prison especially after I came to God and he began to uh, open my mind up to new ideas and ways to serve the world, was what am I doing while I'm waiting? Ah, good question. And then another question, what is it that God's doing while I'm waiting? In other words, staying connected with him in prayer and in scripture and talking with other believers about what it is he's doing as we wait. Mm -hmm. So the waiting for me became... An opportunity for to grow. I didn't ever saw it as a time to be wasted away, but as uh, I gave my life to the Lord 25 years before my release, after 20 years in prison, I realized that to wait actually means what are we doing by way of preparing for what God has next. I understand. What we're talking about is perspective here, and that word perspective is a wonderful word. And if you look at the Latin base of that word, it actually means to look through not to look at. That's right. So when we're looking through, think of it how God sees the next week or the next month or the season to come that we don't know yet. Yeah. But he's always working yeah. towards preparation for that next season. Yeah. So I began to work even in a solitary cell. I was always a reader, and I read voraciously for many, many years. I read psychology books, history books, philosophy books, just about anything, geography. I loved learning. And it's funny because I learned to read early on to escape the pain of prison. And then I began to read to learn. I liked the learning. But as the years went on and I actually became a teacher after my release from solitary confinement, I realized that I was learning to give it, to, oh, to give it away. Yes. So in that waiting, there was, there was always things I could be doing to build myself towards the future. Yes. To, to, to apply myself and I, even in a solitary cell, I could look back after six months and realize I was making some strides. I was learning things. I was beginning to see a picture of the world I didn't have before. Yeah. And I think it's only when we get a picture of the world clearly in our minds that we can understand where we sit in that picture, what it is that God has gifted us to do, and how we can make a difference within his overall plan and purpose for all of us. Well, how hard was it waiting on God, knowing that you had all those many years ahead of you? It, it, what I had to do... It was not, especially in solitary confinement, 
was at that time they told me that I was serving the duration of my prison sentence in solitary, which mm-hmm. meant I was not to get out of that solitary cell. Mm-hmm. And so what I had to do was take care of today. And I think that same approach that I had then is exactly what we have to do today, right. is take care of today. You know what Jesus said? He take said no tomorrow has enough tomorrow. troubles of itself. <laughs> exactly right, sir. And what I realized as I, as I took care of today, and then tomorrow, you know, when I got there, yeah, yeah. that the days began to come together to yeah. build momentum into yeah. the future. Yeah. And I would actually get up in the morning motivated because yeah. knowing that I had gained something new from the day before yeah. that I wanted to build on yeah. and continue to, to, go, to move forward. But in Joseph's story, he, time after time, he was placed in situations of leadership. Not because, yes, he had wonderful gifts, and, and obviously he was a, a fine-looking young lad as yeah, well. A handsome man. But we also know he must have leadership skills that uh, are plenty where he was continually placed in leadership positions time after time in leadership households. I mean, when he was in prison, he was uh, worked for the warden and became a very uh, powerful leader within, yeah. but he was still in prison. Yeah, still Even in, prison. in Potiphar's house, he was still... He was a slave. That's right. That's right. He, he was still enslaved. Right. So regardless of the situation, Joseph managed to rise to a better place. I wasn't able to do that my first 20 years in prison before I gave my life to God. Yeah. Actually, what I found was myself spiraling until I reached a very rock bottom yeah. of an existence. Uh, probably the harshest place that, I, that man has manufactured is a death row cell. Yeah. And the second one is to lock a man in solitary confinement. And we know, I think it's the attempt to break the spirit of the one placed there. Yeah. But see, the difference between you and Joseph, that first 20 years, the hand of the Lord was really not on your life. God's favor was not on your life because of the anger that was in you. Rebellion. The rebellion. Now, Joseph was in prison, but the Bible says that multiple times that the hand of the Lord was upon him. God's favor was with him. But it's because Joseph was a man of integrity. Yes, sir. He never lost his trust and confidence in God. And but after 25 years, you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and things changed. The Bible tells us that when a man trusts in God, that all manner of blessings begin to accrue to his spiritual account. That began to happen in your life, Jimmy. And you became a man of integrity. I'm sure it didn't happen immediately. No. But over time, you became a man of integrity and you became like Joseph. I was afforded many leadership opportunities along the way, as Joseph was, even within a prison setting. I, I became leadership in various programs like character programs, which required that you can't be a leader if you're not above reproach. That's right. So I had to be walking it before I could do any talking of it. That's right. And, and people then, you, you gain respect by that integrity. And integrity is like the, the integer, the same word in mathematics. It means wholeness. You must have be solid and, and moving forward with what people can expect from you day in and day out, character-wise. As he did that for me, I began to understand the value, not only in the integrity in my own walk, but instilling that in others around me. Because I would see the brokenness in young men that I was mentoring or tutoring that I had previously in my walk with God. So he allowed me a, a, a view through my hard experiences of where these men were so I could meet them where they were and help bring them 
uh, to a, a better level in God's walk. Now, in Joseph's story, you see the hidden hand of God behind the scenes. It was obvious when you got to the end of the story that God had put him in Egypt for a higher purpose. And Joseph, in fact, told his brothers that at the end of the story. He says, look, guys, you didn't put me here, but God put me here. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about this present result, which meant the preservation of many lives. Looking back at your life story, Jimmy, how, how do you see the hidden hand of a sovereign God in your life? Well, I think we could go back to the very early years of my prison stay in which I was sentenced to die. Uh, you know, man said uh, he's not to walk this earth anymore. But God reached down and said, by my grace, I'm going to release him from that. Though I, it was, I was told I would not be executed, I would still serve life with a parole date, but I would probably never get out. But what I saw in that and looking back now that I didn't recognize then was that his plan unfolding, his intention for me to do something more than, than I had done. And though it took me several more years before I surrendered completely to God, I look back and see the various, from knife fights in prison to the various situations that he brought me through, uh, and always with that plan and purpose for what he would have me do today. Yeah. And, and the hard study I did on my own, uh, self-study, to build myself into an educated man, which I would in turn use years later yeah. in a, from a solitary cell yeah. to the prison population yeah. to lead uh, other men to get their GEDs and, and mentor them into a, a higher level. Uh, God, you know, he, it, Scripture says it clearly, you know, all things work together for good for those yeah. who called his important and who love him. Yeah. And I get that. But a call to his purpose, I think, is the key to that. Because everything, whether whether predicament we're in or the pain, Oh, yeah, I may have called punishment was really preparation for what he would have me doing this very day to day. Everything that I learned from a solitary confinement cell in Supermax to a classroom in Columbia International University is translating to my walk every day in this world. Just six months out of prison after 45 years in. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> what he's done. I love talking to you, Jimmy. You're, you amaze me. All right, well, let me ask you another question then. How do you explain the transformation in your thinking while in solitude that made you receptive to the gospel message? What happened there? Uh, I read a little thin book. I love to read, as I said. And, and uh, a man named Viktor Frankl wrote a book, a very meaningful book, in, in which he noticed uh, uh, differences in people and their approach in a, in a very tough situation in the death camps, Nazi death camps of World War II in which some would take their very last and help another, and, and even if it would shorten their own life, and others would look to steal or, or take advantage of the weak around them. And what, his, uh, what he deduced from that would change my life, and that is that he said that whatever uh, situation you're in, no how dire it is, when the, all freedoms seem to be taken, there's always one that remains, and that's the ability to choose your response in that situation. Freedom to choose. The freedom to choose. And I knew then that I had the freedom to choose to continue to be the savage that I've been for many years, broken morally, allowing prison culture to consume me, or I could be the saint 
that Jesus Christ says we are as believers. Now, Frank, your son was still talking to you during all this time. Yes. And you were reading the Bible during this time? And I'm eight and ten page letters going back and forth, and he would faithfully answer all my questions. Uh-huh. But he would make me dig now, because when I got to digging in about truth, what is truth? I Over and over, I'm hearing about <laughs> truth, just like Pontius Pilate said, uh, what is truth? And I remember asking Frank, he said, keep reading, son. Keep reading the Gospels. Now, was it a gradual thing, or was there one climactic tipping point that pushed you over to say, I'm ready to become a believer? I knew that when Jesus spoke to Pontius Pilate, and, and he asked him, basically, after he told him that anyone who was of the truth listens to my voice, uh, and, and Pontius Pilate's response was, what is truth? Uh-huh. Well, that was the same question I had. Then I went back to John 8, 31 and 32. Yes. And, and, you know, he said that uh, the truth, um, he said, if you are truly my disciples, you will remain in my word. And then you will know the, the truth, truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, I can't tell you, that is, if that didn't resonate with me, I'm locked away in solitary confinement when I'm reading that. Yeah. So, But I was thinking in my in, spiritual immaturity of physical freedom. Right, right. And what he is, is teaching here is spiritual yeah. freedom. That's correct. To be... Uh, within every circumstance, even in a solitary confinement cell, yes. that you can be at peace within that, knowing that he's guiding the process. You are loved unconditionally for what you've done. Yeah. You are loved and you are secure in everything that you do yeah. as long as you are allowing Jesus, the in- indwelling spirit, and Jesus' uh, obviously fam- beautiful model of how yeah. to walk out of life. Did you feel like your spirit was free when you were incarcerated? Yes, I did. I actually told the parole board in 2015. I'd been in parole at that time uh, 15 times, and I had been incarcerated for 40 years. Uh-huh. And I told the parole board that day, I said, what, after we gave them a little presentation, myself and some supporters, and I said, whatever your decision is today, that I will be at peace with it. Uh-huh. Because at last I understand that I was never ready to leave prison until I was ready to stay. And what I meant by that was that I understood it last. I could, I, could, I was at peace wherever I went because mm-hmm. I know that I didn't, I didn't have to worry about the direction. I didn't have to worry about the results because I gave them all to God. Yes, he was sovereign in your life. Yes, sir. He was Lord of all your circumstances. He's, he's sovereign over all. And once we understand that, surrender everything to Him, mm-hmm. and we know too that His plan and purpose will be worked out through you and how you. I believe he can be sovereign over the life of a man in a prison cell deep in the very bottom of the prison system. Yes, sir. I, he could reach down and pluck you out. Well, you know, I, I like to describe my stay in solitary confinement as being surrounded by four walls. And they didn't have to have concrete walls because I had hurt and hatred, addictions and anger. Mm-hmm. I was Imprisoning totally locked, you. That's what it was. But in my surrender to Jesus, one by one, he knocked those walls down. Amazing. Not only did he knock the walls down, he turned them into a bridge, into a relationship with him and to the rest of the world. A relationship I'd love today to just, I, I spend, I'll jump in my car just to go find somebody you could talk to a lot of days just because I want to be able to share the message. You know, Jesus uh, came into my life and showed me that what exactly that judge asked for 45 years ago mercy. when I was sentenced to die. Mercy. He said, may God have mercy upon your soul. And I plan to spend the rest of my life sharing with the world exactly how he did it. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you another question. Then. What, what helped you the most to grow spiritually after you became a believer, uh, con- after your conversion to faith in Jesus Christ? Well, it took a, a lot of trust, first of all, that I didn't have for my early years. So it began with a level of trust uh, of opening up 
and, and, and opening up to what God had for me. And that took a while because we tend to see our Father in heaven like we see our Father mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. My father was a distant man, and uh, he was a hard man. Though he, he was morally sound, he had he had uh, a hardness about him. Mm-hmm. So it takes a while to overcome those type of obstacles mm-hmm. early on to do that. But Frankie Stone, God put a man like that, a fatherly mentor. I call him my sensei, uh-huh. Japanese teacher, uh-huh. into my life to yeah. show me yeah. uh, what a fatherly uh, individual will do and what and, and the need for that yeah. and how we need a, a, someone to show us those survival skills in life to show us how a man walks. And God did that through Frankie Stone in one regard and then my in-depth study in books. And, and of course the Bible, mm-hmm. but it, really my greatest growth spurt took place after solitary confinement, mm-hmm. when I actually had a chance to move what I, what God had put in my head, to move to my heart. Yeah. And you do that best by interacting with others, relationships, and so other people yeah. that, that are actually going to kind of test you yeah. and see where you, you know where you try, how you're going to respond to these trials, to the tribulations. Yeah. And it's generally other people. You know, God heals us from our pain that we've caused ourselves and others. Yes. You know what I mean? And so we need that nurturing along the way and that growth from others and watch how godly men like yourself model for others what a real walk looks like. And it took me all the way through CIU my last two years in prison. Mm -hmm. And I was still growing and learning, and I continue today to to do that. And so thankful to God that he's showing me a brand new way of not only walking a life, but of seeing... uh, what he has in store for each one of us as believers. Now, you told me some of the, the Bible study curriculums that you went through when you were in prison. I, I bet some of our listeners will connect with those. What, what were some of the programs you went through? Well, actually, the Jumpstart program that I mentioned is one that we were trained in to teach elsewhere when we left. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, I had many, these were all Bible, well-educated doctors and setters that came in from the, from the outside uh-huh. and taught us many lessons. Now, I actually had a chance to leave, to do that after leaving and prior to CIU with programs like Experiencing God by the Blackabees. Right. Uh, many, many programs uh, along the way, I would say, uh, here's uh, the authentic manhood with Robert Lewis. Right. Uh, showing what, how a godly man or a husband or father responds to the challenges of life in a godly way. Uh-huh. And all these programs, the sum total was to continue to pour into my mind and then into my heart the, the, the necessary principles that we must walk out in this life in order to better not only be a, a better model for others but to instruct by our walk what Jesus would have us be and uh, you know we have to get on board like Blackaby's famous for this and that is to say that um, don't worry about going and doing something for God look and see what God's doing and get on board with him I, I love that. that I love that, that that approach to life well, now let me ask you this. What prevented you from becoming very, very depressed or falling into despair as the years went by and, and your parole was repeatedly denied? First word that comes to mind is purpose. Mm-hmm. When you discover what your purpose is, and I learned that with the Jumpstart program, actually, through Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, mm-hmm. a 40-day book it was written for, but we did it in 40 weeks. Mm-hmm. And we learned what purpose is in your life, taking your gifts and using them to, I say, seek you first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And that means seeking you first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And you do that best by understanding your gifting and utilize. In my case, I like to teach yep. and, and to share it with others. And when you do that, it wakes you up every morning motivated. You're motivated then to make a difference in others. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I really want to have said here if I don't say anything else today. God motivates me every day to get up 
and make a difference and to be bring honor and dignity to the life that I took many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. To bring honor and dignity to my family, to my sister, mm-hmm. to the Frankie Sons of this world, mm-hmm. and to be a model to others for them to understand that he will transform the heart and turn you into a difference maker if you would just surrender everything to him and allow him to guide the way. And he's done that over and over again. And I thank him so much for that purpose and that motivating spirit he's given me to get up every morning and say, hello, world, what you got for me, God? Let's do it, you know. <laughs> now, what, how did you become involved with Jumpstart? And tell us, tell us exactly what that is. We only have about four more minutes. So, Jumpstart is a rehabilitation program called a reentry program. And it's designed to help uh, inmates upon release to give them housing, jobs, uh, help them secure identification, driver's license, etc. But it all begins with an intensive 40-week program on the inside in which mentors come in, teach the, the Purpose Driven Life book that I just mm-hmm, shared, mm-hmm. And, and to allow others to, to grow out of the virtual uh, maybe pitfalls of addictions, maybe busyness that can be, or just our idols that we tend to gather along the way right. to set those aside and allow that same purpose that I just shared with you to become their life so that they may move forward uh, in, in God's plan for their lives and not choosing our own path. Um, now, I understand that lots of prisoners, when they get out of prison, go back. What, what's this recidivism rate for inmates that are involved with Jumpstart? Well, I think it's best if I compare that uh, by what the recidivism rate if you're not in Jumpstart. Okay. Fully 50% of the inmates released to society after just three years are incarcerated, reincarcerated. Oh, my is Some numbers go as high as 75% in various states. It's like a revolving door. Right, because they're not getting the fundamental spiritual lessons they need and principles to guide their life. Mm-hmm. So, as jumpstart numbers, solid foundational Christian Christ-centered program based on solid principles, it's 3.5%. 3.5%. Yeah. Versus 50 that's, that's mind-boggling. All right. Well, now, we're going to wrap it up here. So what are your plans for the future And now that you're a free man? Well, I, my future is simply just getting up every morning and ask God to put somebody before me that I can serve, that I can somehow make a difference in their life. And I've what he's done is open doors for a ministry now. On the Rock Ministries is a reality. It's registered with the state. I'm working on a lawyer's working on a 501c3. I didn't never saw this coming when I first came out. I just know I wanted to serve. That's right. And you, you know it's impossible to walk out of a prison gate after 45 years and not look back. Yeah. And to many in the prison system who knew me and and some that knew me from way back, they most people thought I would never see the outside. Yeah. So I become a beacon of hope to many. There are many in there with life without parole or have long sentences and it doesn't seem that they have any hope. But in looking at my story, they can see hope. They can see that beacon of hope. Are you going to go back? Yes, uh, as soon as they'll let me in the next, uh, probably take me two to three years before I can go back. But they have Zoom going on. Actually, COVID can be my ally right now. Right, right. Because volunteers can't go in, but they're doing other uh, And they'll let you virtually. on Zoom. Right, ah, right. I love it. And I've also sent my life story on prison tracks that you mentioned last week. Yeah. 8,000 actually today are being delivered to the SCDC headquarters wow. for distribution throughout 21 prisons in the state to be distributed by my CIU brothers who work for the chaplains, the very same alumni that we wow. all are family wow. and God's using all of us to be and that. They all that, know you and remember you. Yeah, and, and to read that and the last thing in that in my testimony said if you'll do it for me. 
going to do it for them. All right. Now, how can people get a hold to you if they want to have you come and speak at their church or organization? Yes. My my email address, first of all, On The Rock Ministries is the name of my of my uh, ministry. But due to domain name, I wanted my name to be a part of it, so they identified Jimmy with On The Rock. So okay. ontherockjimmy.org is, is my uh, web address. Okay. Okay. And a web page is being worked on as we speak and it's going to be in full full force here soon now the email address would be just put jimmy in front of the other so if you got on the rock jimmy.org just put jimmy again put jimmy at on the rock jimmy.org gotcha so you got basically jimmy's bookends around god (laughs) you've been listening to jimmy mcphee this is more than medicine with dr robert jackson we'll see you again next week thank you for listening to today's edition of more than medicine you can follow jackson family ministry on facebook instagram and on their website be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information Join us next time for more than medicine.